nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog. They're wonderful lads that do a great job there. And worth reading about that man there. Kareem Benzema needs to rest and the numbers reveal why. Welcome to the Managing Madrid Podcast, where we're recording this on a Thursday, and you know what that means. Thursday is mailbag day. It's the one day of the week where Lucas Navarrete comes on the show, much to everyone's excitement, and he is here today to join me, Kian Sobani, in going through your Real Madrid questions. Lucas, how you doing? Hey, Kian. Thanks for having me. Thank you, everyone, for listening to, to the show. Uh, did you enjoy waking up to all the NBA drama this morning? Well, I, I didn't enjoy any of it, to be honest. I, I am starting to dislike a little bit of, of Embiid lately. Uh, I, I just don't like his antics at all. I think that, you know, he he needs to mature a little bit. And, you know, the, the current news are a bit uh, disappointing. I was expecting... I was kind of looking forward uh, looking forward to seeing what he could do with with Draymond by himself, even though the the first signs weren't promising. So, yeah, that yeah, that is that, definitely that is, really sad news. Um, yeah. it, it really really sucks to see him break his hand. And uh, so, I didn't really watch the Raptors game last night because by the time we finished the post game podcast last night, the Raptors were like I think it was like halfway through, and then I checked the score, Siakam had like 30 points or something and yeah. they were up by like big and then and so I, and then all of that went on the back burner cuz all this stuff came flooding in first of all James Harden's 59 points and somehow wow. that was only like a third of their points and then the Embiid cat thing obviously and the curry thing um do you like when you if someone had a gun to your head and like asked you to answer this question like truthfully sure. and asked you what is the best sport would you think about think about it or would you just say football or would you would you is there a part of you that thinks the nba is just from day to day it's just more fun i like the way the nba is structured i think it's a little bit more of a of a best better show to be honest but in terms of sport tactics and all that i i think football is is way deeper than than basketball even though Basketball is also great, and I I actually play basketball in high school, not football. So, I kind of I kind of like basketball growing up more than football. But in terms of tactics and you know and the interesting thing of of the of the game itself, I think uh, I'd rather I'd rather watch football football game mainly because I think that a team who is being dominated can still win the game. While in basketball, you know, you never see that happening. If you if you score less points, less three pointers and less two pointers, and you know catch less rebounds, you are not going to win, and that that's not happening in football all the time. It's there's definitely less parity in football too, and like, uh, but but your your point holds true. But like you can, I remember like maybe like two three years ago, if you ever wanted to make money, and I and I don't gamble, but I had friends who did this. Basically, all they had to do was put money on Real Madrid and Barcelona winning every single game in the league. And it's not really like that anymore. It's more difficult. But in NBA, they always like would just lose so much money because oh, 
Oh yeah. It was it was just hard to to know like what was going to happen from game in game out, and now you have like load management and players resting, and the season yeah. really doesn't start until the playoffs, which is which exactly. is weird in itself. And I was I was thinking about like you definitely don't see that drama that you see in NBA, right? Like the whole Instagram feud last night. Does that happen oh, yeah. in football? I I think like just it's not it's either not tolerated or just not ingrained in the culture as much. I uh, we saw a little bit with with Griezmann and Ramos two seasons ago. Was That's it? true. After That's the, true. After the the UEFA Super Cup, but yeah, it's not it's not anything like Embiid <laughs> going off on Instagram or anything like that. Yeah, uh, but uh, the thing about the NBA is uh, I'd love it so much to for the playoffs to be just a one game. I think the the seven game series for one part is is obviously fair because you know pretty much the best team is going to win and that's that's obviously fair, but on the other hand, it's a little bit less exciting. I agree, I but, agree. but that and money obviously is the other factor. That there's just so much yeah. money coming in over seven games that it's hard to ignore that. I guess. Yeah, oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I also I. But in terms of excitement factor, I completely agree with you. I I also think that Copa del Rey would be much more exciting if we just had one one games just knock out. Yeah. I kind of feel that way about the Champions League too. Whereas like if you eliminated away goals and like back and forth, that would it would just be crazy exciting that way too. Um, yeah. But what do I know? And there's a lot of money coming in. So let's talk about all the questions that came in from our patrons. Uh, and right. if you want to get your guaranteed. Uh, responses to your questions go to patreon.com slash managing madrid there's there are a few questions that we literally took on last week's mailbag so if we don't read your question please consider just going back and listening to that episode it it's timeless um and and we we tried to stay away from repetitive talk on the podcast so first patron question question is from Ilian zacco he says call me crazy for commenting while we want five nil but the performance we gave against Levante was miles better. In this game, Leganes were atrocious. Even Castilla could have beaten them today, um, as in last night. We were slow at, in attack and bad at taking uh, possession back when we lost it. Do you agree with this? On the bright side, Hazard looked better, although he's going to drive me crazy with his lack of shooting because he gets so many good angles. Uh, Jovic scored and scored and should have scored again if it was not for that freak save from the Leganes keeper. Oh, by, by the way, side note, so I kind of felt bad for the keeper of Soriano last night because I, I thought, and there's a question about this and the whole penalty save and whether it should have been retaken yeah. or not, but um, yeah. he was left with like literally a lifeless team in front of him and he had to just do a bunch yeah. of things on his own. Yeah. Well, about yesterday's game, I just think that we shouldn't draw any kind of conclusions because, you know, like Anes kind of gave up even before the, the the game even kicked off. You know, they they made so many rotations. They And obviously Real Madrid got an early goal, which pretty much ended all their hopes. So I wouldn't draw any kind of conclusions because Madrid were up to nil like in the 10th minute. And you cannot expect Madrid to keep the, their foot on the gas pedal after... after two goals in the first 10 minutes I don't think so uh, I think we'll just have to wait and see obviously you, you like to to see the team winning 5-0 in this, in this convincing way solid way for sure but we know that Leganes first of all Leganes are a mediocre side and second uh, they they just gave up even before the game started by making so many rotations and you know they also played last weekend when, when Real Madrid didn't so it was pretty much over after after the first goal 
This was the first Manita since last season against um, one of those Champions League. Was it uh, what, not not Cheska, but someone else? I think. Um, now I'm watching the name, but so even despite that, and despite it being the best scoreline we've had in a long time, I, I agree with the idea that it wasn't our best performance this season. Zidane even said this after the game, and you just alluded okay. to it too. Uh, but I also I don't think it's fair to say that Real Madrid looked bad um, or that they couldn't win possession. Or no, I think they did everything they could have done, and it could have been more than five possibly. But you know they generated so much in attack and. There are things to nitpick that I think we can get into, but you just take what's in front of you, and they absolutely did. Um, they were clinical. There were a bunch of players who played good last night. Hazard is an interesting case because I think he was a bit polarizing with his performance, which you can get into. Um, Benzema was unbelievable. And Rodrigo looked really good. Um, Casemiro yeah. looked really good. Kroos looked really good. Fede was quiet, um, given that what he's done, but you know he looked fine. So... Uh, well, I don't think I don't think Madrid looked bad by any means. No, no, I agree with you. I agree with you completely there. Is there anything that we want to take from that game or just kind of talk about it? Things that are lingering that you feel like we sh- are important to touch on? Well, I think Zidane should have made more rotations for this game. Um, I, I expected a little bit of Militao. I, I know, obviously, Odrizola was, was suspended with yellow cards. But I wanted to see a little bit of, of Mendy as well, Militao, I named it. Uh, also, perhaps Valverde taking Casemiro's spot so that he could get some rest while Isco playing in the midfield. I think this was a perfect opportunity for Madrid to make some rotations. And, you know, Betis are probably going to be a tougher opponent than, than Leganes this next weekend. So if I had to make uh, rotations in any of those games, I'd probably pick Leganes. But, you know, I, I wanted to to see more rotations. When I saw the lineup, I, I, I was honestly expecting more more rotations from from Zidane. Um, okay, so we're I just realized we're actually going to come back to this game quite a bit because of the questions. So um, let's bring it forward. There's a question from Ian Marley. He says, "What could have been is the subject, and the the comment is, do you remember Jesse Rodriguez? Remember that season, that period before his injury, when he was covering for." I think an injured Ronaldo, and he was almost playing like Ronaldo. Remember, remember the swag, the confidence, the movement, and finishes he had. He had whenever he got into the final third. I remember him getting goal after goal, assist after assist. Man, what a phenom he could have been on that trajectory. Just before his injury, he honestly looked like he might have seamlessly covered our post-Ronaldo era. It pains me sometimes. He was the best thing I saw to come out of Castilla till today. Save Raúl. That's a bit hot. I- I don't know. I think this I agree, might though. be a bit of revisionist history. Was he really rated that? He was rated highly. Um, he was great, but come on, that that season coming off the bench for Ancelotti, I, he was amazing. He, but he, yeah, I he guess. was pretty much stay, pretty much competing with Bale for the starting spot, and, and arguably deserving it. Sometimes you know he saved Madrid in in San Mamed. He saved Madrid in Mestalla as well. I think it was his. That season, that that half season, because he got injured in the second half of it, was just completely brilliant. And on the right wing too, when he was a natural left winger. So, I think what's fascinating about Jesse, when you look at it now, look at it now, he's twenty six somehow. somehow. I I couldn't believe that when I looked at it. It feels like he's been around for so long, so long. Yeah. um, That um, I just, that I just, 
it, it's just mind blowing that he's only 26. I I remember writing an article when Real Madrid sold him that year to PSG. It wasn't a loan or a buyback option. It was just a pure sell, and and there was a lot of reasons why. Part of it was because of the rules in league gun. But also part of it was like he was just such a shadow of himself at that point. He was coming off the ligament tear in his knee. And at the time, you had Isco, James, and Asensio, three players that I think most fans wouldn't want to part ways with. Um, it was tough. It was the right decision to let him go at that point. Um, oh, yeah. Does it... Look, we've, we've seen bad injuries. I get it. It's like impossible. Sometimes it's not impossible, but it's very difficult to recover from. But given that he's only 26... And it's been a few years since that where we've been removed from that injury. Does it say something about him, though, that he has completely disappeared off the face of the planet almost literally since then? I think that he, the, his injury kind of got, got worse after the first surgery. He required a second surgery because he got an infection on the knee and all that. And I think that infection like took away some, some like parts of the some tissues of the ligaments. So I think that's that second surgery is what really uh, like destroyed his confidence on the you know on the on that need to to do the dribbles and you know run with power and all that. So his career was obviously destroyed after that that knee that knee injury. He lost all kinds of confidence. He lost he lost everything. So. We can only wonder what what would have been as 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 Ian says. We can only wonder what could have been without that that knee injury against Schalke. It's sad. Um, it is. It's a sad case. Basically, once as soon as he went to PSG, um, I think there was maybe in his first or second game there was some promise there, but he quickly just spiraled and did not play well. He did not play barely he barely played in the last two three seasons now he's in portugal okay. with sporting he's played four games so he far scored scored a brilliant a goal. goal the other day yeah i yeah. saw that so he does have that one goal in this early start to the season so you know we i hope he recovers 26 is still shocking to me that he's only 26 i have a Gassette psg shirt by the way what are you gonna do you're gonna keep that for oh forever? yeah for sure okay <laughs> <laughs> it's a very no, random I... piece of memorable memorabilia yeah, um, but let me know. Um, is he the best thing you saw coming out of Castilla till today? Save Raul, like he's saying, or so, do you have any other? So I'm I'm assuming when we grade this, we're looking at we have to put ourselves in a time machine and go back in that time and how we oh, felt yeah, for sure. and looked at it, obviously, because if you put hindsight aside, when we're living in the moment and being excited about a Castilla product, he was he was about as exciting as I remember. I think you can. I still am a bit jarred at how good Portillo was and then wasn't when he graduated from Castilla. Like, that's one, a kid who shattered all of Raul's records, um, scored in his debut, kept Real Madrid yeah. alive against Borussia Dortmund in the Champions League, and then just disappeared. And uh, that that was another one that sticks out to me. But I guess in terms of pure Castilla products, can you think of any others? I, I actually can't. Well... You can name Carvajal, maybe, but that that's pretty much it because you know Jesse made an impact on the first team. Of course, Portillo looked great for Castilla, and you know he played some games here and there, but didn't really make a big impact for the first team. And Jesse saved some points for for Ancelotti there, and you know he was uh, again he was kind of making an argument to start over Bale, who who had just signed for Real Madrid last summer. So yeah, yeah. Well. Uh... Carvajal, though, I think 
in hindsight, he's better than. I mean, I, he was good. He was good with Castillo. He was part of that kind of golden generation that came through. But um, I don't think he was as promising as Jesse. He had a better career than Jesse. There's no question. But oh, yeah. in the time, I don't. I don't know if he he quite qualifies. Um, it's it's interesting. There's actually another question that will bring us back to Castillo, which is an interesting uh, thing to think about. So let's put that on the back burner for a sec. Uh, yeah. Question from Frederick Rantakiro. Here we go. Shouldn't Castilla mainly be used as a place to develop players rather than developing coaches that is, as it is today? There must be some good coaches out there that can develop young players but doesn't have the ambition to be coaching elite teams in the future. Like a permanent coach who could make Castilla a stable segunda team. Maybe it's easier said than done, but it shouldn't be impossible for a club with Madrid's resources. Buy some good segunda players to make the backbone of the team, have the best players from the academy, and spice it up with some top talents like Lunin and Kubo, who could play maybe one or two seasons at Castilla before moving up to the first team. Former players like Zidane, Solari, and Raul will always get a coaching job somewhere uh, where they can learn their craft and when, when, if they are ready, they can take over the first team. I don't mind them starting their coaching careers with the youth teams, but after that, they should go out in the world and then return decades later full of experience and ready for great success like Benitez and Lopetegui. Uh, sorry for the long question. I love your work and wisdom. Thank you. Um, what, where do you stand on this? Well, I think we, t- we touched on this topic like a month ago or so, and the, I agree with, with everything he's saying, but the problem of it all is that the Segunda División B is not good enough for for talents like Lunin and Kubo, which he mentions. It's just not good enough. So you first have to achieve promotion to Segunda, then obviously make a good team to to avoid relegation from Segunda. Because if you if you promote to Segunda and then go down the, the next year, it's, it just won't work. So the Segunda División B is a waste of time for, for brilliant talents, international talents like Lunin and Kubo. It's very sad because it's obviously the the ideal work you want to do with with your with your academy, but it's just the way it is. It's it's, it's too poor for them to play on. I agree, and I think the coaching thing is. I think it's it's less about developing coaches and more about um, a lot of these coaches are there by necessity and they're called up. So like. I, I don't know if, like, for example, Zidane and Raul, although it does seem to me inevitable that Raul will one day coach Real Madrid, just that's just a yeah. hunch that I have. But um, with with people like Zidane and Solari, it's not unique to this era where you kind of need to bring a coach up from Castilla because you fired an A-team coach or the A-team coach walks yeah. away or whatever. And the most logical thing to do in a lot of scenarios, whether you agree with it or not, is to just promote the guy at Castilla. And that's been Zidane in years past. That's uh, that's been Solari, and yeah. may may or may not be Raúl. And it's not unique to this era. Del Bosque was in that situation. Um, the late great Miguel Munoz found himself in that situation. Um, uh, there's other ones. Mar- Mariano Garcia Ramon, in a more indirect way, kind of found himself in that situation. I think yeah. that you know it. That's just kind of like what it is, and it's more of a thing that you just you have to. You you have them there and you promote them by necessity rather than you're grooming them there or whatever. But uh, the players thing is you're completely right. You can't. It's hard to develop players in Segunda División B. It's if, impossible. If you get if you can get Castilla to Segunda, I think there is a, definitely a huge case where you can keep them there because it's yeah. such a higher level that you can actually justify putting a bunch of players there. Whether it's um, whether it's Kubo, whether it's 
uh, I'd rather I'd much rather Rodrigo play there regularly than with Castilla, yeah. although he's yeah. playing with the A team now anyway. But even like players in years past, like Alex Febas and Jesus Vallejo, um, had a lot of good stints at Segunda. Um, yeah. So I, I definitely think, and that's where Lucas Zidane is obviously now. Alberto Soro, who's on loan from Real Madrid, plays with Zaragoza. So like. There is a case if you can get them to Segunda, I think it's easier to keep them there because you can actually justify just pumping that team with 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 quality young players, um, and obviously Lunin being one of them. It might not make any sense, but there's a much bigger difference between Segunda B and Segunda than there's between <coughs> Segunda and Primera División. Yeah, I think much, so too. Much bigger difference. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a question fra, about uh, about Benzema and a target player and how we haven't had the target since Ronaldo left. We answered this exact same question last yeah. week, so please just go back and, and listen to that episode. Question from Shreyash Dabade. Uh, I tried my best with that name. Hey, Kian. Odegaard is in great form since his Vitesse days. The loan project is absolutely working for him. Was there a better loan spell from Real Madrid? Um, from a Real Madrid player away from the club. I know it's early to say, but this could be the best one. Only other loan knee I can see as successful is um, Hakimi, but with him being injured late in the season made things worse for him last year. So, Lucas, continuing on this trend of young players and loan knees, what was the best loan project we've had? Well, Carvajal wasn't on loan, but you have to mention him. Because he he was, was playing he for Segunda. Yeah, I think he yeah we we sold him for like six million and then paid like eight or something like that the summer the summer after he wasn't pure strictly on loan, but you know him. I think we can mention him in this debate because he was playing in Segunda B and became the Bundesliga's best right back. So yeah, I think we have to definitely mention that that deal because. We know we obviously get to see Odegaard a lot because he plays in La Liga. He plays for a, an attractive team like like Real Sociedad and all that. And we obviously didn't spend that much of attention taking a look at Bayern at Leverkusen's game. But we have to mention Carvajal from Segunda B to Bundesliga's best right back is just an amazing an amazing feat. Um, uh, I guess this season is interesting because that this is this has got to be the best year we've had for loanies in general because yep. we have Atraf and uh, and Odegaard, which was mentioned here, but also regulon has been great. Uh, yes. And then some that haven't been as successful like Vallejo and, um, uh, yeah. and Ceballos has been kind of up and down. But I think we should mention Vallejo too. In He hasn't been a success yet. But just in terms of a successful loan spell, Vallejo's stint at Frankfurt was about as good as you can get into morphing yeah. into one of the best defenders in the Bundesliga, uh, also coming up from Segunda. It yeah. has not been good for him since that, obviously. But that's one to mention. Um, you could throw in Casemiro at Porto was pretty good. Yeah. Also, um, yeah. For, that was great, yeah. I don't. I, off the top of my head, it's, it's hard for me to think of others. Um but or, but in terms of I guess pure excitement of like everyone week in week out tuning in to see what he's doing, I don't think I've I've ever seen anything like Odegaard from a player yeah, that Real Madrid have owned. 
Yeah, I agree. Carvajal, perhaps the other one, sure. the only one who but, comes but, close. But the, the hype on Odegaard is much, much higher, isn't it? Oh yeah, well, I get it. He's a playmaker. He makes plays, and he does, he's not a defender. That that's obviously the first point we have to take into account. And obviously, we have been expecting and, and a lot from Odegaard for the for the last few seasons. And obviously, that you know, to see that come to fruition is obviously great. But in terms of you know pure ratings and 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 you know performances, I think Carvajal is the only one who comes close. Um, another um, Odegaard another question. question. Philip Matebo, Philip Matebo says, says, "Hi guys, I have a question guys, for Kian specifically. specifically. I know you love Odegaard. You love would probably bring him back next summer if you were in charge. Who would make way for Odegaard? And what formation would Zidane play to get the best out of him and the other star players like Hazard?" This is assuming we don't buy Mbappe next summer. Love the podcast. Obviously, I'm going to flip this to you too, Lucas. Um, <laughs> it seems like Odegaard's going to have one more year at Real Sociedad. Like, there's, yeah. I guess, a scenario that Real Madrid could negotiate and bring him back this summer. But I don't know if there's a rush with him. But the idea of who makes way is, for me, still very difficult to answer this early because I don't know what everyone looks like in two years. Like, what does a sense he look like when he's back from his injury? Um, what do you think? It actually makes sense to wait for another season just because of Asensio, I think. <laughs> just because of that, it, it would be extremely difficult to make a decision next summer. And obviously, we also have to consider what kind of position does Odegaard play for Real Madrid in the future. Because if he he's going to have room in the midfield, then he kind of has that spot already when, when Modric... Uh, just like fades away yeah. and enters his, his real decline... And also, you know, if Real Madrid end up selling James and obviously East Coast career at Real Madrid doesn't look as promising as it looked a year ago. So, you know, it, it will all depend a lot of on his his final position. And, and obviously, uh, as you mentioned, Asensio's, Asensio's recovery, which is a, a big X, X factor now. He is like, in terms of stylistic, he occupies the... Because <clears throat> he's like a right winger slash central midfield hybrid. Yeah. Essentially a 10, where like Isco was on the left and central midfielder, exactly. James on the right and central midfielder, Odegaard's on the right and central midfielder. So I think automatically he, he competes with Isco, James, Rodrigo Bale, and Asensio in a more indirect way. Um, so I, I want to I wanna take the easy way out and just see what happens next, next year and, and to assess it even better. But obviously yeah. your point about Modric being phased out is a valid one. Uh, Sheikh Atiri says, Hi guys, I'm getting impatient with Hazard. The 20th minute thing was really annoying. Rodrigo, who is playing like a 100 million euro player, ran into the edge of the box with the ball and only Hazard was in the box. It was obvious that Rodrigo was going to pass it back to Hazard and Hazard didn't make the run. I simply don't understand why he wouldn't. I do think there's a little bit of a lack of resolve on Hazard's account. I remember the play he's mentioning, and yeah. I think that he just gave up on, on the play because he assumed that he was not going to reach the ball. Of course, you, you cannot assume those things in professional football because Rodrigo still had a little bit of a chance, and he, he ended up reaching the ball and like completing a, a decent pass. But I don't blame Hazard for that particular play. I, I, I'm a bit more worried about his overall performances than that particular play. Um, um, that particular that play, particular it's, play. If you rewind it enough, Hazard starts the whole thing by dribbling down the left, cutting inside, finding Rodrigo, and then moving gets gets it, almost gets it back eventually. And then I I remember watching it, and I thought, 
I thought for sure Rodrigo was going to keep that in play. So I was surprised that anyone else thought otherwise. It was tough, but it wasn't like unreachable. And yep. uh, and then Hazard, obviously Hazard just doesn't make the run to meet the cutback. But the shooting thing that people keep bringing up, that's an interesting point because we talked about it last week in Galatasaray when he didn't shoot that and he passed it to Kroos. Mm. And maybe he found it a bit lucky to get that assist. There were times in this game where he could have shot and he didn't. He's always also been vocal about that's not his game. He doesn't... Um, he doesn't, you know, necessarily see himself as a goal scorer. He likes setting up teammates. Interesting stat, which I brought up with Ewan on the post game show last night. There were only two outfield players that didn't register a shot yesterday. One of them was Hazard, and the other one was Carvajal, which I thought was crazy because I I didn't realize he didn't even get a sh- single shot where everyone else was shooting on sight. Does the shooting worry you? A bit, a bit, because I, I was expecting a lot more from him in that department. You know, I was expecting like 20 goals a season from him. Yeah. Even though he wasn't going to take penalties here, I assume that, or, or free kicks and everything like that. But I was expecting at least 20 goals, and that seems like impossible right now. He, he only has one, and, you know, he, he might reach 10 or 15, but 20 was the least I was expecting for a player of his caliber. And, you know, playing in Real Madrid with a player like, with a striker like Benzema, who makes room for for others and makes everyone play and everything like that. So I was expecting those kinds of numbers from him, and he's been disappointed in that department for sure. A question from Patrick Odayafari. He says, Hello, Kian and Lucas. Love hearing your content as usual. Casemiro has been excellent this season. He and Kroos look like they're getting back to their form uh, from when we won the double. I'm starting to get a bit worried, though. When do we rest Casemiro? I'm pretty sure he's played every single minute so far. And when he goes on the international break, TT plays him every minute as well. How do we shape the midfield without him? Valverde at the base? I don't think we can put Kroos there. I just hope he doesn't pick up an injury, knock on wood. It's tough. I think Casemiro will need the rest uh, sooner rather than later because, as he mentions, he he plays for Brazil. He plays 90 minutes for Zidane week in and week out. And in terms of replacing him, I, 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 you have to consider obviously Valverde, but I'm not sure if you actually place Valverde on that spot or you play Valverde as a box-to-box with cross, like building up play from deep. I, I think I'd rather see cross play in there with Valverde doing the the dirty work as a central midfielder rather than a, as a deep midfielder. I'm not sure. The the way to play without Casemiro if you don't have a direct replacement has always been the double pivot. Um, which has worked well. If you if you kind of put Valverde in the Kovacic role and play double pivot with Cruz or Modric, it, I think it'll work. For sure, you can't put Isco there again. Um, you just get burned alive, I think. But if yeah, you yeah. put if you put Valverde and Cruz and then uh, some controlling midfielders around them, I think it'll be fine. But the I, the frustrating thing to me, and I don't know if frustration is the right word, but I because you know maybe Casemiro is a freak athlete and he can put up with it. Thank God there was no classical this weekend, um, so we yeah. got some rest there. But if there was ever a time to rest him, would have been on literally the easiest game of the schedule this season against a free-falling Leganes with no confidence, exactly. and the score was four nil, five nil when Zidane was making subs. Like you could have, there was no way Real Madrid was were going to drop points in that game at that point. Why not yeah. just test anything you want at that point? That I guess that part was was confusing to me. Yeah, don't you think that that a double pivot uh, with uh, Cross playing the Xavi Alonso role and Valverde playing Kedira, like 
cross staying deep and and creating the play with Valverde destroying the the chances of the from the opposition. I I think that that's the way to go. I think that that can be the way to go. I think we've seen as much as we um as much as we've seen Kroos kind of frustratingly jog back and transition and stuff and we always say it doesn't look good as an anchor. He's had some of his best performances in that role too, but I think it depends. Like I remember the famously the one that game against Manchester City in the semifinals of the Champions League, um, where Kroos played that role because uh, Xabi Alonso was not available at that time. And so, um, well, they didn't even overlap. So who was it? That was just that must have been the uh, what year was it? Yeah, Kroos and Alonso didn't play together. No, they didn't. So Kroos. I, who was it? Was it must have been Hadera was out then? I I can't remember who it was, but but Kroos had to play that anchor role by himself, and was like had one of the most masterful Kroos performances um, I've seen. But also the the uh, the thing the context of that game was that Manchester City put zero pressure on him and he did what he wanted. I think if you're playing in a game like that, then it's easier to do. Um, but if you but if you have a team that's going to pressure you and they're they're really dangerous in the counterattack, I think it's a bit risky. Um, but I, I think I, I think a double pivot of Kroos and Valverde would work. Yeah, yeah. because Kroos and Kedira worked fine with Germany, and Valverde is a similar player than Kedira, so I think that's the way to go whenever you want to risk Casemiro. But Germany also had um, Schweinsteiger kind of helping Hadera a lot in midfield too, so I think Germany was a well-old machine. I, I don't know if I trust this version of Real Madrid to, do, to cover for him as well, although Valverde does does make things a bit more um, stable in midfield. Yeah. Uh, okay, where are we? Brendan Power says, do you believe Militao should have been given a run of games at right back, especially considering both Carvajal and Odrizola haven't done much to impress? I agree with the, with the final sentence that Carvajal and Odrizola have been a little bit uh, disappointed this season. But Militao has done has played well enough to, you know, to grant him... T- chances to play at, uh, as a center back and you know i'm not he can obviously play there when whenever you need him but i don't think his his perfect position is is on the right back because you know he probably lacks that speed he especially for a team like real madrid if, if you're gonna play defensively against you know a team like barcelona or manchester city he makes sense but real madrid don't usually need that kind of of player against like 80% of their of their opponents. So I think that Real Madrid should just wait for for Axtraf next summer and you know assume that Militao is going to be a, a center back for the future which which he definitely looks to be a very interesting option for that position. Brennan Stevens Brennan says Stevens says we always complain, we always about, complain VAR, about VAR but I think we got but quite the break today with that penalty retake. I was behind the goal and recorded the penalty Watching the replay, Ramos is like a step away from striking the ball when the keeper takes a minor step forward. Doesn't this pretty much happen on most penalty attempts? Don't get me wrong, it was an awesome game, topped off with Jovic's long overdue but well-deserved first goal. But that's got to be pretty demoralizing for a listless last-place team like Leganes. I agree. I, you know... If we take a look at the regulations, of course you have to repeat that penalty. But we've seen that that kind of action from the goalkeeper time and time again. And you know, we we obviously know that the score wouldn't have been different without 
without repeating that penalty, and Real Madrid would have probably won the game anyway. But you know, I didn't, I didn't like that call. I, I think it was a soft call. I thought it was harsh too, and I think Soriano's face when like he eventually yeah. conceded it, I, I kind of just felt really bad for him. He looks so like defeated, and he's like, "What do you? What am I supposed to do now?" Uh, yeah, I kind of felt bad for him, and it it was harsh when I saw the replay, and I maybe by the rule book it was um it was to be retaken, but I just feel like we see that on every penalty, and every single goalkeeper does that. Every single goalkeeper does that, yeah. So I think if you start calling it to, in the to the minimal degree that it was called that game, I think it's you're dicing with like I don't know. You either have to do it all the time or just never call it. Um, yeah. Uh. Question from Varun, last one. He says, this question is for the entire team. This question is regarding Zidane and his success in his first stint. One, Jurgen Klopp took a pale Liverpool club and bought no one uh, but had pro- but got proven stars like Mane, Salah. Sorry, bought non-proven stars like Mane, Salah, Firmino, Van Dijk, and Allison and won the Champions League. Two, Cholo Simeone takes a less vibrant and pathetic-looking Atletico Madrid and gets them incalculable spirit and wins them La Liga out of the blue. The same can be said about Mourinho with Porto, Sir Alex Ferguson with Manchester United. Did Zidane take a naive Madrid side and won a Champions League three-peat, or did he take a team that was built by Mourinho and Ancelotti and enjoyed the fruits of it? This is not my argument, but an argument that people still put forward who question Zidane's ability. Um, Whoever side you're on, um, it is fair to say he's the only manager on this planet who enjoyed the greatest qualitative success ever in the history in this short stint. Please throw your thoughts on this. Thanks. I think it's fair to say that Zidane didn't build the Real Madrid team here. He got, he managed it to perfection. He know how to get the best from his players and all that, but he didn't build the squad. He didn't make the signings for his first season. He, you know, he 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 received a team with so much quality. That I I think that you know he he kind of did the, the the hard part of it, which is taking you know big stars and you know letting them play the way they want to play and obviously perform well and all that. I mean, it's not like I am not valuing what Zidane did with with this squad, but I I think it's fair to say that he didn't build it. I don't think it's unfair to say that either. Um, I think. So I think there's two things at play here. One is that he took over a Rafa Benitez team, which was was pretty well dead. And yeah. a very, very, I don't know if demoralized state is the right word, but it was not fun. It was not pretty football. And it was just, um, it was not a fun time to be a Real Madrid fan. And he took that team and made it really fun and then won a bunch of trophies. Uh, he deserves an insane amount of credit for that. I also... I think it's important to remind fans that what Ancelotti had this team uh, as before Rafa Benitez came was an unbelievable level of football where not only he had won the Champions League in his first year, but in the second year, he got to the Champions League semifinals. Oh, yeah. And also did had a historic unbeaten run with... This is all while Chabi Alonso left, and they didn't have time to replace him. Oh, yeah. 
and Kroos was Modric playing that role. as well. And Modric... Sergio Ramos played in the midfield in, uh, yeah. in, in yeah. that tie against Juventus. And I would and argue, I would, although, I although I could be wrong because we don't really know for sure, that if Modric doesn't get injured, they might win the Champions League that year. I agree. Yeah. And the league, probably. And the league. And the league. Um, I agree. Modric's injury, injury was like... It, it took like half a season away from him. Like He was injured in, like, in November or something like that. It was a very serious injury. And Ramos had to play in the midfield against very tough opposition Atleti. in the camp. Atleti. He played in the midfield in the camp now as well. Uh, and then uh, at, at and Leti, I, I, it was Leti, Ramos, it was and, Ramos Chicharito and Chicharito who pulled us through. Pulled us through. Yeah, come on. Yeah, it, it, you know. I, obviously, he tried to sign Lucas Silva and it didn't work. So he kind of hurt himself a little bit by playing Ramos there, maybe, but I'm not sure. But anyway, Modric's injury was devastating because he was at his peak and all that. So I give Ancelotti so much credit for his, for the two seasons he he did in Real Madrid. And I think it was a mistake to let him go, to be honest. Even though, of, of course, the, the next year the, they end up winning the Champions League and all that. But if, in the end, you, you end up replacing him for. Benitez so I think that was a, a huge mistake which you obviously corrected after Benitez's departure but in the you know in the first moment it was a big mistake yeah and I yeah. think with was Zidane too <clears throat> um so that that was so, the point I was trying to make is like he took a team completely buried in the mud after AFA but also yeah. so, also inherited also, a team in a way from the year before that was near perfect until the last hurdle and the injuries um, was was kind of the demise of the team, and that that's all. It, otherwise, it was an unbelievable team that Carlo had built, uh, yeah. which also Mourinho deserves credit for for building to an extent yeah. too. So it's kind yeah. of all it's kind of all linked together. Uh, exactly. Maybe all of this says a lot more about Rafa Benitez than anybody than how how did the hell did you turn that team oh. into what you did? Definitely. Um, with his one saving grace is that he he probably got the best out of Bale, maybe more than any other manager in those like few months. Yeah, and Isco for sure too. Um, did anything else outside of these questions that you want to bring up before we wrap it up? Well, not really. I want to make another point about about this question, which is that I give Zidane so much credit, especially for Casemiro. Mm. I think Casemiro was the one player that Zidane really kind of built, and you know, is the one player who he had faith on and insisted on and all that. And I think I give him so much credit for for Casemiro. Yeah, that that is true. I was going to bring that, and then now you reminded me that I missed it. Casemiro, uh, Rafa, Rafa tried to incorporate him, and but Zidane actually just took it and ran away with it. And that's uh, that's the one player that Carlo really, I think, wish he had it. He had, yeah. um, he didn't have because even Hadera had like basically checked out that year. He, you know, he was not part of the team's plan. So, yeah, um, yeah, that's an important point. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see how Zidane juggles the next few games. I would love to see Mendy. Um, at some point, I think I, I did starting. Who Jovic? Yeah, Jovic is starting in, in Benzema's spot. Let, let, let him be a striker for once. Yeah, and um, I'm I didn't really mention this in my immediate reaction. I forgot to mention the post game podcast yesterday. But two players that were kind of underwhelming to me. One was one really didn't really matter. It was Varane's passing wasn't very good. Uh, Marcelo also just didn't look very blah to me um, defensively uh, on rare moments of Leganes attack he just he didn't seem really into it defensively so I just yeah. want to see Mendy there and, and see what that looks like um, for the yeah, next few I'm games yeah I'm expecting to see Mendy for the last 
two, three games and he's stayed on the bench. It's, yeah. it's a strange because I was expecting him to start against against Galatasaray. He didn't. I was expecting him to start against Mallorca and he didn't. And yesterday he didn't start either. So it's a bit weird what's happening with Mendy because he's recovered and he showed so much promise before getting injured. So Yeah. Um, all right, Lucas, this is a good place to wrap it up. Everyone, check out managingmadrid.com because every day there's a bunch of new content that you're missing if you're not if you're not checking constantly, so go there and check it out. And we'll be back on Saturday for the post-game show against Real Betis. Uh, Lucas, thanks for joining the show, my friend, and Hala Marie. Thanks,